welcome to the very first episode of Making It. My name is Mirabelle, I'm your host, and today we have a very special guest. I'm probably going to say that for every guest we have on, but today we have Kat McDowell with us. She is an amazing musician, singer-songwriter that I had the pleasure of meeting through Twitch, and we actually co-wrote a song together on one of her streams in under 22 minutes, might I add. It was for one of her songwriter sessions, and it was only slightly stressful. It's just slightly stressed for for it being the first time that I ever co-wrote a song, and also for being an introvert. It was it was an experience, but honestly, I would try again. I think it was it was amazing in some weird sort of way. In this episode, we talk about how Kat's mixed race and cultural background has an influence on her music. We also talk about what it's like being on a major label versus being independent. And Kintsuki Origami, we get into that as well. And Kat shares a really touching fan story, so be sure to stick around and listen to that. I hope you enjoy this episode with Kat McDowell, all of her links to music and videos, origami tutorials, everything will be linked in the description. So be sure to check those out. Make sure to leave a comment, review, message me. Let me know what you think about this podcast episode, and I hope you enjoy. You were born in Japan, raised in New Zealand. Is that correct? And now you're That's right. well now and then you went to LA and now you're back in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, no. Right? Temporarily, yeah. When did you move to LA? I moved to LA in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, from Tokyo. So I was living in Japan and um had lived there for about 10 years doing music. And then um moved to the US. I'd never lived there before, but I moved to the US with Masaki, my husband who had lived in the U.S. for quite a while. And um, and so, yeah, we met in Tokyo, but then went back to, went to the U.S. together. How cute. <laughs> um, so, like, before you went to L.A., you are saying you were signed to Sony in Japan? Yeah. <laughs> how did that, how did that start? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, you know, I had this, um, incredible amount of confidence and belief in myself <laughs> at the age of 19, 20. <laughs> and so um, I, after I studied jazz music at university and then after graduating, I went straight to the UK because that's where a lot of New Zealanders were going. I think visas were a little bit easier to get over there. So I went to the UK and slept on my friend's floor for about six weeks and was just playing a bunch of different open mic nights and just trying to meet you know, different record labels and just trying to figure out how to make music happen. And um, and so uh, I created a demo, actually. It was more like a, a single quality demo. Um, it was a single. <laughs> it was a ready-to-release song. And so I recorded that when I was still in New Zealand, and then I took that around to kind of shop around with me. And so did that in the UK, and then I went to Japan to do the same thing. And so I was living in Japan for a few months, um, again, sleeping on another friend's floor and playing all these different open mic nights. And then a scout from Sony had um, heard about me through somebody um, at a bar that I was playing at. And 
I, there was it was this person actually it was a Filipino guy and he said hey I, I know someone um I know a Sony scout and so I jokingly said to him I was like oh you should bring him along on Monday <laughs> kind of not really expecting him to he's like okay cool <laughs> and so he um he invited this guy to come watch me play and then this guy really wanted to um he didn't want to like sign sign me specifically at the, at the time I think they still have it too but in Japan they actually have a division that purely just looks for potential artists to sign. I, I don't think that exists anywhere outside of Asia, but at least in Japan, um, they have this because they have about eight or nine different labels at Sony, but they have this one particular label where everybody sends their demo tapes to. They have a lot of competitions throughout the country and mostly just develop very young people. They're like, mm. I guess they kind of do what Disney does in in yeah. the US, you know, like they develop like young artists. So I was one of the older ones. So I kept getting told, even though I signed with them for three months and they started chopping me around to all the different like Sony labels and and because I was kind of already developed, they didn't need to develop me really because yeah. I'd just, just done so much on my own. I wasn't a 13-year-old girl that they were spending years trying to, you know, <laughs> groom into the business. And so um, he so he shot me around to all these Sony labels and they weren't, all of them were like, she's too old. <laughs> it was 20. At 19 or 20. <laughs> yeah, I think I was 20, yeah. Um, yeah, they, but they, he kept telling people I was 19 <laughs> in the hopes that that would make me young enough. So that was kind of depressing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, 20, you're I, that was so young at 20. Yeah, right. I know it's kind of crazy, but um, but I, I also didn't sing at the time in Japanese, and that was a, that was another thing, like a, a hurdle for them because they were like, we don't know how to, you know, she doesn't look Japanese, which I don't. Even though I'm half Japanese, I don't look Japanese, and I um, and I didn't sing in Japanese, and I wasn't particularly young, like in terms of you know a teenage, like pop star, and so they were kind of stuck they're like we don't really know what to do with someone like that and so um you know looking back I kind of get it now just with the way that the, you know for me I was like well, that makes me different and unique but um for them it didn't matter <laughs> they're like have we seen it done before <laughs> so mm. it was hard but it was through that kind of sparked um a few relationships with different people who then who then led me to um, an awesome label which was part of a different it wasn't Sony, but it was with Avex, and so um, so I found a really you know a really great label who believed in me and who believed in what you know what I could do, and um, and I did find that it was actually really hard um, working with them for three years to really get a solid identity and um, as an artist and be unique and be completely myself, but at the same time marketable in that culture and in at that time in that market. So it was, it was just like a big boot camp, basically three years of just learning the really hard way under a lot of pressure, you know, doing the real thing and failing and succeeding sometimes. <laughs> oh, so yeah. it was a, it was just like a crazy mess, but just learning after three years of being in a major label that, you know, that's what I had thought would be my big break. And to realize that that was just a foot in the door. It wasn't really um, a... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, just one second. Our car is stolen? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Did you, you okay? just say your car is stolen? Yeah, <laughs> my mom's car is stolen. So wild. What? <laughs> mom, was, mom was crawling on the floor, and I'm like, what are you doing? Oh. She's like, our car is stolen. I was like, that was the last thing I was expecting you to say. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so Sony was like a big boot camp, just a big boot camp for me. I learned so much. I made so many great friends and, and a lot of amazing artists in Japan that I've you know, had the privilege and honor of collaborating with and still a few that I would love to collaborate with and hopefully, you know, can release some things with. So it was a really painful and wonderful experience, you know, um, to to get to be with this major label and also learn that, oh, like getting signed isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not like this, everything's going to be sorted and everyone's going to do all this stuff for me. It's like, mm-mm. <laughs> Some things might be even harder. Your hands will be tied sometimes in ways that you didn't, you know, um, think. And and uh, and it can be harder at times. And it can, you know, it can be a success. But the you know those who do really well on big labels, you know, it's still we're only it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many people signed to labels that never get their music out there because it's owned by a label now. And even a lot of the stuff that I released with Sony, you can't even, you know, it's not on Spotify or Apple Music outside of Japan. So mm. I can probably re-record some of those songs now. So I'm thinking about it, but but at the same time I'd also just like to continue writing new songs because the publishing and all that stuff is owned by them forever. It's like well maybe oh. I'll just maybe I'll just rewrite it somehow. I don't know. <laughs> like just keep writing yeah. and keep releasing stuff. And so yeah. I was gonna say, like, is did you own the rights to your compositions or like, what kind of rights did you still own or that they had ownership of? Yeah, they pretty much own... I mean, that's the thing with big major labels is they pretty much own everything. And and at the time, especially because it was Japan and a lot of things were non-negotiable, I even went through a lawyer, which is really unusual for um, for Japan. But then, <laughs> then I ended up having to part ways with the lawyer because he was kind of like, I can't really can't really recommend this this isn't a great contract and then um my uh and then my other friend who does law she also looked through it and was like well as long as you understand she just explained everything you know it was in it and she's as long as, as long as you understand what's happening you know it's uh it's it's up to you and then I thought about it I was like you know what it's, it was only three years it wasn't like a 16 album you know committed for life kind of thing and it was um I figured, okay, they're going to own, you know, my publishing forever. Um, but uh, I can write new songs. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Let's just do it, you know? Like, let's just go for it. Like, why not? And I so no regrets. No regrets at all. Yeah. So after Sony, you went to a different label. And then now, I guess, are you, you're independent now, are you? Yeah. Yeah, independent. So I've been independent since 2010, 2011-ish, so for 10 years now. And um, yeah, and kind of started our own company, I guess, um, with Masaki, Ooh. with my husband, Silver Tree, which is, you know, not really a functioning company right now. It's just there for us to release music under. Um, but yeah, it's so much easier now. I mean, that's the thing, was 13, 14 years ago, there was just... There wasn't really a way to easily release songs. Um, so, 
now it's yeah. too easy and it's just it's uh it's just hard to get your music out there right uh, just to, uh, the hard thing now is to get people to listen to it because yeah now anyone can music. release a song and so exactly. there's too many songs out there not too many but there's a lot so people get overwhelmed and so now it's more about now labels are more about marketing than access you know like they're the ones that are paying to get your song pushed through the the uh to the right. front front of the line yeah right there's yeah. like a whole label war now on with tiktokers tiktok mm. people i don't yeah tiktokers a thing a word <laughs> <laughs> we both <laughs> I don't know. Was it a, what's that thing? Wow, t- TikTok. The oh yeah, talk, that thing tick. that the young kids are into these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't get into it. I just I don't understand yeah. it enough. I think to make anything out of it. Yeah, but yeah, I've day. tried to, but I haven't tried hard enough. And to be honest, <laughs> now that I'm so into Twitch, it's kind of I just don't know if there's room in our creative lives to to do really get so into more than like yeah like I feel like it's so much more productive to just focus on one or two you know mm. um yeah and I've had my fingers on a lot of pies like YouTube yeah. I did YouTube for like years and I still do but not to the extent that I you know did and and then Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz now Twitch it's um yeah yeah it's a lot how and did how did you land on Twitch uh it was through my agent <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah like I have a college booking agent who books me um lots of different and and, and a, he's a good friend we've been friends actually we met in Tokyo back in 2006 or 7 and and um he and his wife when we first moved to the U.S. we didn't really know what we were doing <laughs> and then um he and his wife were like hey you know we we play at different colleges around around the U.S. and we we play at these different conventions and you have to pay to be at the conventions, but you know you can book shows through them. Do you want to come with us? So we're like, yeah. So we went on a big road trip across the U.S. and played at all these different conventions and met different people and we booked just enough. Maybe we didn't break even. No, we booked a few shows. We didn't break even that year. Um, but but it just got us on the you know on the the track of like oh wow these there's so many different ways to be a musician in the United States and there, it just seemed like there were so many opportunities so so um the his uh him and his wife eventually became a agent you know they were artists who were traveling and doing booking the shows themselves and they were booking like 50 shows a year it was really amazing and then they um, yeah but then they had two kids and they're like you know what maybe we should uh, become an agency <laughs> so now they're like an amazing amazing agency and and um do this for a lot of different artists and so he really um mark really really encouraged me to get into twitch especially after the pandemic hit and we were all we lost all our shows um right which is funnily enough which is how i got into teaching origami workshops <laughs> but um but yeah so so he was the one who was like, I really, really think you should try Twitch, Cat. I really do. I think you, you would love it, and I think it would work with your personality, and, um, you know, you should do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, We wouldn't have was... met if it wasn't for Twitch. <laughs> I know. It's been wonderful. Twitch has been this wonderful gift of being able to, like, have a place to perform and connect with people, which is what I love to do 
more than anything and like just bring so many of the things that I love together to one place and yeah and connect and so it's um it's been wonderful I love it so thank you Mark yay Mark <laughs> yay <laughs> I mean you're having a you're having a baby but I was gonna ask if you would go back and play live shows once things get back to normal <laughs> yeah you know I I think um it was really fun Masaki and I had our first jam yesterday just on the bed for our little girl <laughs> and that we That's haven't so really sweet. like jammed together in a year and however many months we used to tour all the time together he would play um you know play drums with me and for me but we uh but since since um since <laughs> we all kind of <laughs> hunkered down um we stopped playing music together and so we did talk oh. about that we're like you know the touring was really fun, but it was also very hard and stressful and it would be hard to do with baby. So of I was course. like, what do you think about coming on Twitch? Well, he's not really into social media. Um, mm. he, he, you know, he's a great performer and he loves um, live shows, but I don't know. It's really <laughs> we'll <different>. see. <laughs> it is really different, but um. But it would be a great way to start playing together. I feel like it would be fun to play live shows too, but I think it would be good to start on Twitch and that would, you know, we can get some practice playing together. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll see. We'll see. But I That's think it's cute. important for um, for us to keep performing and and um, playing too. So we'll definitely be playing local shows, but I'm not sure about the hardcore tours that we used to do. Especially yeah. now that we do have Twitch as a, or I have Twitch anyway, as a way of, of playing with and for people. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. How about you? How did you get into <laughs> Twitch? Um, I got into Twitch because, so I don't know if you know Kate McGill. She's a singer-songwriter based in the UK. Uh -huh. um, she's part of a band called Meadowlark. And uh -huh. I had done a cover, she streams on Twitch and I'd done a cover of Meadowlark's song called Fly, and mm -hmm. she really liked it. And I was on her stream, and she's like, hey, you should start streaming. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I had thought about it before, but I was never going to do it. <laughs> um, and so, and like, I had only just released Wildfire, my EP. Yeah. This was last year, last August or so. And, like, it was the first time I put out any original music, um, like, properly, I guess. <laughs> like, to mm. put it onto Spotify, streaming platforms. Um, yeah, so there was, like, that little suggestion, that little push. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> so, like, all of her community came to my first stream, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I just kept going with it. And I stuck with it. <laughs> it's amazing. Here we are. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's been so amazing to see all these new people. There's always new people coming on, coming on Twitch. I love it, and it's a yeah. such an exciting platform, exciting community. There's always so many cool new friends to meet, and yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm yeah, so stoked that like, I got to meet you. I remember you yeah, rated me, me on your birthday stream. I think. Oh really? Was it? <laughs> When's your birthday again? Uh, November twenty eighth. I think that was it. I think. Oh. I think you did. Nice. Yeah, I know you won't remember, but I remember. <laughs> it's like, hi, hi, how are it's you? Very Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Somebody Marvel. definitely 
suggested to read you because I don't think I knew who you were before that. Yeah. No, I don't think I knew you either. So that yeah. was really cool. <laughs> That's a cool thing, huh, about Twitch is um, how much the how important and influential the community is. Um, the oh, yeah. the people in the chat, like they. They're the ones that are, you know, more active, I think, inside the, you know, and connect and network. Um, yeah. All of us together. Because we, yeah. you know, if you're, it's really hard to be like streaming and doing all the other stuff and watching. <laughs> so I really appreciate everybody who, <laughs> who you know, watches. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard to yeah. do. To do both. And so the, the mods, moderators, and all the people who like hang out on different people's streams and suggest people, I mean, I appreciate them so much. They add so yeah. much to the community. I love it. Do you, because you did, you did YouTube and all of the other things as well, all the other yeah. different socials. Did you see a lot of people come from, follow you throughout all of your different changes? Yes and no. Um, so I feel like uh, Twitch is the closest thing to live tours that I've experienced. So I do when I do live tours or when I have done live tours, mostly they're in very small venues to a small group of people, less than a hundred people. And so and then if we would come back again, a lot of those people would come back again. So it just kind of felt like we were, you know, and we would play two sets and we would hang out with people and, you know, like in between the set and after the set. And so it just really felt very warm and community based and people were very supportive. And, you know, sometimes we would, it's funny, like sometimes we would do more or like, like in terms of like financially, we would end up doing better at a gig with 12 people than 60 because the people, because the gig with 12 people and we've come a long way, you know, to a little town and whatever place to, to play for them. And they so want us to come back, you know, that they're like, what merch can we buy? <laughs> you know, like, Aww. how can we support you? And, you know, we'd often like jokingly say, we'd be like, oh, you know, if you could buy a CD, that'll be our gas, you know, like, and so they're like, oh, and so they'd just be so incredibly warm and supportive and just be like, thank you for coming to our town. And, you know, we get to see them face to face and have chats. And one of my most memorable experience actually is, is down in this little, like down in um this little town in, in Kyushu and in Japan. And the year before, <clears throat> one of our shows got canceled in Hiroshima because of a typhoon. And so um, I... So our show got canceled that day and we decided to stop by this tiny little surf shop. And so um, just to say hi and maybe be like, hey, can we play here next year? So we stopped by this tiny little surf shop and it was a husband and wife running it. And we said hi and they're like, oh, we actually already know who you are. It was like, what? And they're oh. like, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, we had a booth at, we used to have a clothing brand and we used to have a booth at this like surf convention and we saw you play there because I was, I was in the surf community in Japan. We saw you play there and we actually wanted to sponsor you like five years ago. I was like, what the? What? And yeah, and they're like, yeah, but we don't do that, like that 
surf clothing label anymore um yes we would love to have you play next year when you come back and in the meantime like can we you know want to leave some cds and we can sell them for you or whatever so like okay cool so we left some cds there and just said we'll keep in touch and play a show again there the next year and then <laughs> and it was just so crazy so the following year we played a show they put on like they run a surf school too. So like, I, I think 33 people turned up, but it was packed, like just jam packed. It was one of the most fun gigs we ever played. They were so into it. And they had a barbecue outside and then the tiny little store was just packed with, with a bunch of people. And we played, um, we played the show. And then in the middle of the, um, in the middle of the, the sets, this woman came up to us and she's like, this is my baby. And we're like, oh, hi. <laughs> and she goes, he's been listening to your music since he's been in my womb. And we're like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and, um, and then when we played our encore at the end of the night, like the store owner and everyone, we played this song called The Little Rain, which I, I don't know if that was a request. I can't remember what it was, but <laughs> everyone started crying and it's not even a sad song. And I'm like, okay <laughs> like this is this is weird okay <laughs> and um and then after the show finished and we were packing up the the store owner told us um told us the story and she said that woman who had the baby we're like yeah she said well she she came into our store soon after you had uh you know you'd left your cds behind and um, she came in really distressed. I mean, I guess she's like part of their community. So she's like family to them. And she found out that she was pregnant and she didn't know whether to keep the baby because she'd end up being a solo mom. It would be really hard. And and um, so we, we like gave her one of your CDs <laughs> and and she um, she really loved it. And she's been listening to it the whole time. She's been really encouraged, like through her pregnancy, um, through, through your music. <laughs> it's just like bawling Masagi's bawling we're just like oh that is so beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah so wow. every time we've gone back to that town like she's always calm and we've seen him grow like you know oh. he's he's only like five or six we haven't seen him in a couple of years because we haven't gone because of the pandemic but you know it's just been like it's so um it just made me realize how like meaningful and impactful you know indie music can be sometimes you're like oh it's, it's not reaching that like millions of people it's you know yeah it's uh you like forget that no it, it's just it's just one person like your music could mean so much to just to one person or to one family or one life so yeah. that's not a story that that's I've enough. actually shared much to uh like out out there I've only really shared it with friends but there you go Mirabelle you're a great interviewer <laughs> you brought it out of me yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that that's yeah. that's amazing <laughs> so to tie that in with twitch <laughs> it's um you know with other like social media i feel like it's kind of it's harder to get that kind of that level of connection but i mm. feel like twitch is really the closest thing and i feel like um fans and supporters are much more engaged through twitch yeah. than other forms of social media because it's such real time and because you get to have these conversations you know, even though they're in the chat and you're in person, but because it's so much more authentic, it's so much harder to put on a facade, you know, like, um, so right, right. it's not for everyone, but I feel like it suits um, me really well <laughs> and probably yeah. you too, seeing you here. So <laughs> apparently, yeah. Although sometimes yeah. I'm like, I mean, always sometimes end up with like, 
comparing comparing my stream to other people's and numbers analytics whatever that happens mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which is not the most fun <laughs> but like sometimes i'll be like well this person is so much more hype than i am and like they mm. get things going and everybody's so excited and i'm like if you come to my stream you might just fall asleep yeah. which i mean if that's what you want if you need some peace if you need some calm chill vibes come on through but definitely not like <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean it's it can be it i try so hard to stay keep my mind off of that you know because it's just it can get really heart-wrenching or destroying to start <laughs> to start val- like valuing your worth in that way if you know what i mean um but yeah, I, like- but i think i think like the thing is and what i've realized is that you always compare yourself to someone bigger than yourself, right? But there's always somebody who wishes that they were in your shoes and and that right. they had the community and engagement that you have. And I've discovered even with myself, I'm like, really? Like, I don't know. I mean, I have, I don't know. I think I had like nine people, 12 people in my last stream. But, oh. um, but you know, like... But those all nine, twelve people engaged. were stoked to be there, and it was yeah. awesome. And someone else would be like, "Oh, I would love to have twelve people at my stream," you know. And yeah, so it's um. So I just try not to think of it that way anymore, because <laughs> otherwise, it's just it gets too hard. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, might not be good. Sure. I know that the people who really like succeed think very much along those lines so you know I sometimes wonder if like that's one of the reasons why I've never really you know why I didn't do well with the label and all this other stuff but Mm. I don't know it's uh, I think like comparison comparison can be healthy and if you're looking at comparison as like a way to get better then you know that's helpful and Mm. not in like a jealous sort of perspective I guess Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. Healthy, healthy rivalry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? At times I've dealt with it terribly. I think my time with Sony was um, maybe my hardest. Because I've been doing this, slogging out for years and years, and been doing music for so long, I feel less of that now because I feel like I've worked so hard and got so far <laughs> but <laughs> but um and maybe I haven't felt as like maybe I haven't felt the success that you know to get to the level where you would feel imposter syndrome I don't know so I'm not sure if I'm the best person to answer that question but that's okay uh, I think imposter syndrome again just comes from that comparison yep and yeah and I I am um, definitely feel the desire and the drive and the thing that I love about watching other people on Twitch especially people who are doing really well and who are just so incredibly talented I I know the amount of work that goes into you know their prep so it it challenges me to just want to keep growing and doing what I can to grow as like a looper and as a ranger as a songwriter as a singer there's just so much I want to so much more I just want to grow in and um, it's Twitch is a place where I uh, um, feel safe enough I guess to to explore that even though it's not perfect and even though I make so many mistakes and 
you know, sing off key sometimes and that's okay. Bunga, we all do. Bunga line. <laughs> yeah, that it's yeah. just it's the place where I grow and hope yeah. that I will continue to get better. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about your origami? <laughs> sure. Yeah. How did that start? <laughs> um, yeah, it started through my grandma. Um, I, she's so she's Japanese. She loves origami. She had a lot of origami like hanging from her walls. Um, she's always like making stuff, um, singing, and I think that's where I got the desire to do all this stuff from was just to be creative, to be crafty, to to want to sing. All came from her. So through the years, I've dabbled in origami, not in a really, really big way, but but I've always done it for, since I can remember. I think since I was like two or three, I've always just folded things. <laughs> and so, um, you know, even when I was on tour in, uh, around the U.S. and in Japan, I would make these tiny little origami cr- like paper crane earrings and sell them as merch and things like that. So I've always just... So it's been a part of my life. And then when my grandma passed away in 2019, I wrote a song for her called Thousand Paper Cranes and had this vision. Sometimes, I don't know if you've had that, but when you've written a song, sometimes the music video comes to mind as you're writing it. So I had this vision of like sitting in a room with with a thousand paper cranes like all just kind of hanging with lights and I just kind of had this vision of it along with it's a beautiful video by the way oh thank you (laughs) and I had the vision of like flashbacks with the grandma and like and me you know so Mm -hmm. um it was one of the hardest music videos to put together as an indie artist but thankfully I mean I just had so much help from friends who were so generous with their time and and um and managed to film it in while I was in Japan, and it was uh, it was such a wonderful experience. And then we released it in March 2020, <laughs> having no idea that there would be a pandemic. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and so um, I think it was like if a week you after had lockdown. That vision as well. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was good that I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I would have invested in Zoom, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah so then I yeah so I had this like paper crane making live stream like I'll teach everyone how to make paper cranes before the music video release just as a fun way to to type it up and so people came to my live stream where I'm like doing this on the screen and going okay this is how you fold it I'm like oh it'll be so nice if I had an overhead camera and could show people like from a bird's eye view, how to make this. And it'll be fun if I could do this on Zoom. And oh my goodness, everyone's at home now and they're probably looking for things to do. So I um, I did like one Zoom workshop for my fans. And and then I also did uh, offered it to my agent. And I said, hey, you know, now that all these schools are having to cancel shows and they're probably looking for stuff to do, I could offer them origami classes. And I think within a week or two, I booked like nine workshops. It was so crazy. Nice. Um, yeah, so I was pretty busy there <laughs> that April, yeah. just doing a bunch of workshops. And, and at the same time, I was exploring and thinking about Twitch. And I ended up getting a bunch of extra teaching work too. So it was private, like teaching private lessons. And so it kept me very busy. And it was really hard, actually, to get started on Twitch. But finally, in the summer, I started. And, and it's been really fun doing that ever since. Um, I also started teaching kintsugi as well this year. And kintsugi is the art form of mending broken ceramics um, using 
for those of you who end up watching this, I <laughs> am showing one right now, the coffee filter that broke. Kintsugi is, is, a wonderful, is another wonderful Japanese art form where, and it's like from hundreds of years ago, where it, you would mend something that is broken, like a broken ceramic, but instead of hiding the brokenness, you would accentuate it with gold and you would make that object more valuable because of the way that it was lovingly restored. And um, I love that. I love this art form so much and the healing power that it has, the ability to foster creativity and also just hope in people that this can be a form of therapy where you don't have to speak, which I love, you know. Yeah, um, it's so beautiful. Can see yeah. yeah. Also, your song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank um, you. So there's an English version and Japanese version, right? Mm -hmm. Scars yeah. is the English version. That's right. Yeah. When did you? Because you said earlier that you weren't singing in Japanese before. When did? Oh yeah, that's you right. Start singing in Japanese. Uh, around the time that uh, I was told I. Don't sing in Japanese. <laughs> I wrote a I wrote a song that was a mix of Japanese and English. It's a song called Stop, which I sometimes play live, but I don't know if it's available outside of Japan. Um, mm. And it's a actually it's up on YouTube. It's on my channel. <laughs> so um, yeah, so Stop is a song that I kind of added, started adding some Japanese to it, and um, and uh, <laughs> some of my other half Japanese friends. You know, call this mix of languages Japlish or Inganese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where you just kind of go in between. And and so I have a few songs like that. Yeah. And so recently I've started doing more like complete Japanese versions of songs or complete English versions of songs uh, when I release them. And so both Thousand Paper Cranes and Kintsugi have complete Japanese versions and complete English versions, which is kind of nice. So I do need some help to write the Japanese lyrics. I've tried writing some completely on my own, but I find that it's much better to write with somebody who has the sensibilities. And Masaki actually is is really good at that. So he's helped me. I think he helped me with Kintsugi. And then I had him and another friend help me with Thousand Paper Cranes. Yeah, I was going to ask what would be easier to write, which language is easier to write in, but I guess that's the answer <laughs> English <laughs> for sure yeah. yeah yeah sometimes sometimes you know people ask me to translate it's been really wonderful to go, go to the U.S. and then like in 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 Japan I was singing like for tv commercials in English you know they would they would hire me to to do stuff in English and now that I'm in the U.S. it's so funny I ended up doing like a Xfinity and Apple commercial a couple of years ago but they wanted me to cover a Jack White song in <laughs> Japanese so I had to write Japanese lyrics and I'm not sure whether it's actually going to air so I don't know if I can I, I probably can't say yet but Recently, there was like another movie trailer where they were like, could you translate this into into Japanese? I'm like, okay, <laughs> but I have to explain. Awesome. Yeah, and sometimes even for like some major label artists and things, they'd be like, hey, um, someone would approach me and be like, could you write Japanese lyrics? But each time I have to explain how difficult it is. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, not any, it's much easier, I think, for me to translate from Japanese into English. Um, so I've done that for some artists too in, in Japan where I've like written because you have to rewrite you can't just translate a song you have to rewrite it yeah. in a way that makes sense in that language so mm -hmm. 
Like mm. sometimes it's the meaning that you have to translate and not like the direct words, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every it's it's everything. And the way Japanese lyrics go, you have to say things without saying it. So <laughs> in less syllables <laughs> than English. <laughs> so mm. it can be really hard. Yeah. That sounds challenging. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's fun. It's a fun challenge to you know to get to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when you're writing your own songs, what's your what's your songwriting process? I love melodies. I'm not as good with lyrics, so I kind of do struggle sometimes with lyrics. Really? But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, usually start with some kind of melody and some kind of theme of what I want to write about, and then go from there. Your idea with the songwriter sessions for having people come up with titles and then choosing from the titles. Do you do that for your own songs? Sometimes, well? sometimes, yeah. but no, not very often. No, um, I don't always start <laughs> with a title. Maybe I should. Maybe I'll get stuff done faster. <laughs> I do. Set a 22-minute timer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I really should do that every day, actually. I should. Mm-hmm. How did you even come up with that um, idea for the songwriter sessions? So it's not my idea. It's... um. Okay. It's it's uh, from Top Tune. Top Tune is a songwriting show that I've taken part in in LA many many times, and um, it's a live show. It's so fun. It's a live show with six singer songwriters that they, um, you know, they draw names out of a hat and they pair you up with someone, and then they uh, and then they draw a song title out of a hat and they give you seventeen minutes to go backstage and write a song with your new partner. And then come back on stage and play it. And they have a house band and everything. So if you give them the chords, the house band will play along with you. Um, It was such a magical experience every single time. I loved it so much. And I always just kind of thought it would work on an online format, on like Zoom format really well, you know. Mm. And so uh, once I started Twitch, I was like, I should do this. But so initially we tried 17 minutes, but... I felt like 22 just gave it a little bit more time because there's just a bit more distraction with chat and with, you know, like there's just possible raids and with guests who have never done this before and like, what the, (laughs) you know, so, so 22. And and then for me, like half an hour just felt a little bit too easy. (laughs) So, so the 22 (laughs) is, it's just uh, enough panic and, yep. and, and, um, and just enough time that it's still possible to at least write a verse and a chorus, you know, like at least write a good bones to a, to a song. And I think we've pretty much done it every time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes have been easier than others. Um, and, and that's, that's fine. It's different every time, but the 22 minutes has seemed to work to at least get some kind of, of like skeletal bones done. And then usually it's good to still finish the song. So we'll usually be like, okay, let's go into edit mode. And so we will, you know, we do technically spend longer than that. But the idea is to really get a bulk of the song done in that first 22 minutes. And that, um, and it's really fun. I love it. I love what comes out of it. So good. It is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I spent... I spent probably a bulk of those 22 minutes when we did it, when I was on your songwriter sessions on stream. Yeah. Like, a bulk of that was me worrying about 
just being with another human and writing <laughs> because yeah. I've never co-written before. Right. Um, <laughs> before that. And then throw in a time limit. <laughs> and chat that's watching you. And, and they're also yes. throwing lines at you. <laughs> and you're like, oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's helpful. Sometimes. Oh, totally. No, I love it. And, you know, and I love it when we can use lines from chat too, you know, it's so great. But, but it is hard sometimes to just to be looking over and going, you know, because we're so, I, at least for me, I'm so used to acknowledging people. Sometimes this mm -hmm. is hard to do when you have to focus on finishing something in 22 minutes. So, mm. yes. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yes, that's right. Because so many of my guests who I've invited have not co-written with people. So there's, there's that there's that extra thing too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that means that means we should probably get together again, huh? You know, and I can have another session now that you've done it I'm down. a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets a little I'm bit down. easier. That'll be awesome. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to keep doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do on Twitch. And I think it's something that it's really interesting for people to watch too. So, so I should it's nice to see like other people's processes as well. Yeah. of writing <laughs> yeah and everybody's so mindful of each other too they don't want to just do it by themselves but they don't also like if somebody's taking a while to come up with anything then they'll you know try to suggest something <laughs> yeah and then tread lightly and see how that goes yeah yeah totally yeah. i asked my patrons to ask a question so for my patrons what do you do when you're not making music how do you relax? I love surfing and swimming and being in the water if possible. Um, it's not possible right now because it's winter and we're locked down in New Zealand. <laughs> the pools are not open, but um, we've been watching. We've just started watching The Mandalorian. So Ooh. <laughs> that's been kind of fun to relax and just lie down and watch. Yeah, watch that. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this, for coming on. Thank you so You're much my first for having guest. me. It's awesome. crazy. Cool. <laughs> it's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>